Hey fellow Okies and all true crime enthusiasts out there, Cece here, and I'm the host, writer, and producer of this, the Sooner State True Crime Podcast. Welcome y'all to the seventh episode of season two, The Disappearance of Crystal Dittmeyer. This was actually a case suggestion from my mom and one of her best friends, who is married to one of the expert witnesses that participated in the trial of this case. I didn't discuss much of the details of his particular testimony because it led to some controversy. But thanks you all so much for listening to the podcast. And please be sure you're subscribed to us on Apple, Spotify, or whichever app you prefer, so you never miss a new upcoming episode. Follow our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OKCrimeState. And to all my faithful listeners and friends out there, I'm launching a bit of a Christmas fundraising event because we are in need of some support to keep creating new content in this new year. So I'm offering anyone who donates over $15 to our tip jar at paypal.me slash crimestate, and you'll receive the normal shout out and card, but you also receive some SSTC gear like stickers, buttons, and much more. And for anyone who donates over $35, will also receive a very special hand-painted by me Sooner State True Crime Sign. So if y'all enjoy the show and want to ensure our survival, then please donate anything you can spare. Please, paypal.me slash crimestate. And if you are unable to give money, please help by leaving us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And I'd love to hear your comments, case suggestions, or to just say hi. So email me at SoonerStateCrimePod at gmail.com. All the sources are listed on our website at crimestatepod.com. Thanks to the WYLD Gallery for sponsoring this episode. Visit www.wyld.gallery today for beautiful Native American created art. Okay, let's get into our case for this episode. The Disappearance of Crystal Dittmeyer. In early June 1996, 12-year-old Crystal vanished from her Oklahoma City apartment. The girl has never been seen or found since. Police suspected her new stepfather, but no body cases are difficult to prosecute. So come away with me to Oklahoma City, Oklahoma on June 13, 1996, where the following crime occurred. Crystal Gail Dittmeyer was born on April 26, 1984, in Oklahoma to her mother, Tammy Austin, and father, Jeff Dittmeyer. Crystal was the eldest of three children, later joined by two younger half-brothers. Tragically, Crystal's childhood was marked with trouble. Beginning at the extremely young age of four months old, DHS received reports that contained concerns about Crystal's well-being. DHS actually received five complaints about her well-being from 1984 to 1991. The first incident occurred on September 19, 1984, when DHS went to Crystal's home regarding a complaint that the infant had not received her immunizations, nor was she seen regularly by a doctor. Crystal's caretaker at the time was also believed to be giving the four-month-old baby enemas. Quote, the concern of the person who reported the information was that the person responsible for Crystal 
may have been ignorant about appropriate care for an infant rather than abusive or neglectful, a DHS report said. The caretaker was referred to services by DHS, but no further action was taken. Just a little over a month later, on October 24, 1984, DHS received another complaint stating that Crystal's caretaker was living with an individual whose own children were removed from their care for abuse or neglect. It was also alleged that this person allowed Crystal to drink from the bottle of another sick child. However, DHS stated that they ruled out those allegations. Quote, the home was clean and Crystal appeared well cared for and healthy, a child welfare worker wrote. Four years later, DHS was yet again notified about concerns about Crystal's living conditions. The September 22, 1988 complaint said that Crystal's caretaker, quote, was always living with others, and that, quote, Crystal allegedly talked of seeing naked adults in the places she lived. The DHS report read, quote, Crystal also allegedly said that she had been choked in the past by an adult that no longer had any contact with her. The next year, DHS was told that another caretaker for Crystal was, quote, neglecting another child in his care, and he had a drug problem. That child was not attending school and allowed to use drugs, DHS was told. The complaint also said Crystal was exposed to people smoking marijuana when she visited the caretaker on weekends. Shockingly, DHS took no action because Crystal didn't live with that person full-time. The final complaint was made to DHS on October 15, 1991. It said Crystal and her siblings were living in a house with, quote, a horrendous odor, with knee-high clothing piles, a moldy refrigerator, and little food, and no electricity. The complaint also stated that Crystal, just six years old, was left unsupervised while the adults slept. Quote, Crystal was allegedly observed walking around the house with a cigarette lighter, and there was concern that she may have been setting fires around the neighborhood, the complaint said. However, DHS failed Crystal again by ruling out the accusations, stating, quote, the house was cluttered but not hazardous, and all of the utilities were functioning. No information was obtained about Crystal setting fires in the neighborhood. The DHS reports must keep the individuals involved private, so we don't know who exactly the complaints were about. In February of 1996, Crystal's mother, Tammy, married Benjamin Kreider II. Kreider was employed as a registered nurse with the Oklahoma State Health Department. Kreider was later described by Tammy as moody and easily angered. He had strict rules for his stepchildren. When the summer of 1996 rolled around, Crystal, her two younger brothers, her mother, and Benjamin Kreider lived together in a South Oklahoma City apartment complex. Crystal had several close friends that also lived in the complex, and her favorite song was Mariah Carey's One Sweet Day.
It was June 13, 1996, in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, when Tammy Austin last saw her 12-year-old daughter, Crystal Gail Dittmeyer. The mother and daughter, along with Crystal's stepfather, Benjamin Kreider, and her two younger brothers lived together in the Pickwick Place Apartments at 2701 West Interstate 40 Drive in Oklahoma City. Tammy Austin had planned to visit a friend that afternoon. At about noon, as she was getting ready to leave, Crystal was sitting on the couch watching TV. Before she left, Tammy told Crystal, I love you, and Crystal replied, I love you too. Crystal was in a good mood that day, according to a friend. Benjamin Kreider had spent the previous night at Fountainhead State Lodge in Eufaula, Oklahoma, for a business seminar, and he wasn't expected to return until that evening. Therefore, 12-year-old Crystal was left alone without any adult supervision. Tammy returned home about three hours later, at 3 p.m., expecting Crystal to be home. However, upon her return, the apartment door was chain-locked from the inside, and no one answered her calls from the front door. She noticed a pink thermal mug through the crack in the door, which belonged to Kreider, and he had taken it on his trip. Tammy then went to her sister's apartment, which was in the same complex, to use the restroom. When she returned home five minutes later, the front door was now unlocked, and Kreider was home. He told Tammy that he had not seen Crystal since arriving back at the house, and then shortly afterwards, left to return his work vehicle back to the health department. He also complained of being sick and vomiting. Tammy searched the apartment complex for her daughter. The last time anyone had seen Crystal that day was at the apartment complex pool. It was also reported that Crystal had been swimming with an injured hand that afternoon. At the time of her disappearance, Crystal was 12 years old, 5 feet 4 inches tall, weighing about 113 pounds with brown hair and hazel eyes. She had a scar on her forehead near the hairline. She was wearing a white t-shirt with a yin-yang design with a red and blue embroidered patch on the front with blue jean shorts and a yin-yang necklace. Her hair was tied up in a bun. Crystal's mother spent the entire night searching frantically for her daughter while her husband slept in their apartment. Quote, I walked the grounds the entire night. Ben went to bed that night, she later stated. None of Crystal's personal items were missing from the apartment. However, Tammy did notice a bloody towel on the floor of the room she shared with Kreider. Underneath the towel, there was also a blood stain. This led investigators to believe the girl had met with foul play. Two weeks after Crystal's disappearance, her younger brother came forward with quite a story. The eight-year-old child claimed that he heard his sister and Kreider arguing so he wandered into the master bedroom. The little boy said that he saw Crystal laying motionless in his parents' room. According to the child, his mother then escorted him from the room and took him shopping afterwards. The boy said when they returned that his sister Crystal was gone and that he's never seen her again. Tammy denied her son's account. Kreider insisted that when he returned home from his trip, the apartment was empty and he had not seen his stepdaughter, Crystal. 
Crystal's grandfather offered a $1,000 reward for any information regarding Crystal's disappearance. Her family asked the public to help in any way to find the 12-year-old girl. Hey fellow Okies and all true crime and Oklahoma enthusiasts, Cece here, and as a member of the Osage Native American tribe, I'm so excited to tell y'all about the WYLD Gallery, which exclusively offers Native American created artwork. Visit www.wyld.gallery to check out the bright and bold pop art style pieces and some historical artwork that expresses the views of Native Americans. On the website, y'all can comment on your favorite pieces of art or artists that you enjoy. Trust me, the art is very good and it includes artists with permanent work in museum collections, such as the Smithsonian National Museum of the American Indian in DC and New York City. Christmas is rapidly approaching y'all and the artwork from WYLD is reasonably priced and makes a thoughtful and unique gift. So visit www.wyld.gallery today to find the perfect piece of art for you or your family and friends. Links are in the show notes. The obvious suspect in Crystal Gale Dittmeyer's disappearance was her new stepfather, Benjamin Kreider II. Police suspected him from the get-go. The day after her disappearance, police photographed human bite marks on Kreider's arm and bruises on his shoulder. He told police that the marks were caused by the changing of the brakes on his wife's car. However, investigators had a mechanic look at the brakes, and he determined that nothing done to the brake system could have caused those marks. Tammy and Crystal's biological father both took polygraphs after she vanished. Kreider initially agreed to the test, but later refused. DNA evidence was also collected from Kreider's state-issued vehicle, which matched Crystal's blood type. During a search of the apartment, blood was also found on the towel and carpet in master bedroom, a table leg, jeans, a bra, and a bedspread. During a second search of the apartment, investigators found an empty bottle of hydrogen peroxide. On the day Crystal vanished, Kreider left the scene in order to return his work vehicle to the health department at approximately 4.30 p.m., However, this trip normally took him about 30 minutes to complete, but that day, he was gone for two hours, returning at 6.30 p.m. In addition, according to Kreider's supervisor, there was approximately an extra 100 miles driven by his work vehicle. Kreider was never able to successfully explain the extra time and miles he drove that day. Kreider also initially signed a waiver allowing police to take a sample of his blood. However, he stole the signed waiver paper from the detective's back pocket. He claimed he needed it to read. The day after Crystal vanished, her stepfather went back to work and acted like nothing was wrong. Also on the day after Crystal disappeared, Tammy Austin, her mother, noticed that Kreider bought a new garment bag. Police theorized that Kreider had stuffed Crystal's body into the garment bag and carried her away in his state-issued vehicle. Blood was found inside the car that was consistent with Crystal's blood type. 
Police believe that he moved the body in his state car and then returned two days later in his own truck to move the body near a creek in Yukon, Oklahoma. However, Crystal's body has never been found. Kreider had a strict rule that Crystal and her brothers were not allowed in the master bedroom and bathroom. Investigators believe that he found Crystal inside his room when he returned from his trip and killed her. Finally, two years after she vanished, her stepfather, Benjamin Kreider, was charged with the murder of Crystal Gail Dittmeyer. Benjamin Harry Kreider was finally charged with the murder of his stepdaughter, Crystal Gail Dittmeyer, two years after she vanished. The 39-year-old was arrested on May 13, 1998, at his parents' home in Marion, Kentucky, by Oklahoma City homicide detectives, Marion, Kentucky police, FBI agents, and county detectives. However, the accused child killer didn't make it easy. Marion Police Chief Kenneth Wynn stated, quote, We just went up to his house, knocked on the door, and said, You're under arrest. He just said, Okay, and can I put my shoes on? Quote, It's sad because when we arrest someone for murder, we're pretty much drawing to a close our hopes of finding her alive, Oklahoma City Police Captain Chuck Allen said. Quote, It was a very difficult investigation. There wasn't a smoking gun, he said. Quote, it took a long time to put the physical evidence and other evidence together. Benjamin Harry Kreider was held without bond in the Crittenden County Jail in Kentucky, awaiting extradition to Oklahoma for the first-degree murder of Crystal Gail Dittmeyer. Oklahoma City Police Captain Chuck Allen stated prosecutors and detectives waited two years to arrest Kreider because they were waiting to find Crystal's body. Assistant DA Brad Miller said, quote, We needed to make sure this girl was dead, based on the circumstantial evidence we had. Every potential theory of defense had to be excluded, and that took time. Kreider attempted to avoid extradition back to Oklahoma by denying his identity. He answered no when asked by the judge if he was Benjamin Kreider, and he also wouldn't acknowledge his date of birth or social security number. Since Kreider refused to waive the proceedings, prosecutors had to obtain an extradition warrant from the governor of Oklahoma. Within five days of Kreider's arrest, Oklahoma Governor Frank Keating express mailed a request to Kentucky's governor to send back the accused murderer to face the charges. The courts in Kentucky had to ensure that the man in custody was the correct man. However, the identification wasn't that difficult, considering Kreider was arrested with his ID in his pocket. Once he was brought back to Oklahoma, Kreider's preliminary hearing began on November 13, 1998. Crystal's mother testified that Kreider was not concerned about the missing child. She also said he did not participate in any searches for Crystal. Also during the prelim hearing, Retired Oklahoma City Police Detective Tom Bevel testified the blood pattern on the carpet indicates the source of blood was, quote, laying motionless against the carpet. The amount of blood in the carpet would be equal to about one cup, he also testified. On March 31, 1999, an Oklahoma County judge refused to throw out the murder charge against Kreider 
and set the trial date for August 30, 1999. The defense asked for the charges to be dropped due to the case being, quote, speculation built on assumptions. In denying the motion, Bass Jones, the judge, agreed the case is based solely on circumstantial evidence, but said, quote, there is a lot of circumstantial evidence. The first-degree murder trial against Benjamin Kreider began in the fall of 1999 and lasted seven weeks. The prosecution had to try and prove to the jury that Crystal was in fact deceased, due to her body never being located. The jurors were shown the missing girl's black purse, her overnight bag, and favorite shirt, claiming Crystal was dead and not a runaway. One of Crystal's best friends, 15-year-old Kim Brandon, told the jury that Crystal never discussed running away and was in a good mood the day she vanished. The defense had two witnesses testify that insisted they saw Crystal after the day she disappeared. 17-year-old witness Ronald Byler told the jury that he saw Crystal the following day, June 14, 1996, at the Frontier City theme park in Oklahoma City. He claimed that Crystal was there with three other girls. The prosecution said that he actually saw Crystal and her cousin at the park on June 7th, but Byler said he had no doubts. The second defense witness was Stephanie Audrey, who knew Crystal from church and claimed to have seen the missing girl on June 22, 1996. Audrey, a Walmart employee, recalled seeing Crystal with a man and a boy. Quote, I just knew it was her, Audrey said. She also testified that she didn't know Crystal was missing at the time, but notified her supervisor an hour or so later when she realized that Crystal was missing. The star witness for the defense was 17-year-old Patricia Hathaway. Hathaway claimed that Crystal actually ran away on June 13, 1996, because she was upset with her parents. Quote, she said they were always fighting, and she didn't really like it, and she was going to run away, Patricia testified. She also claimed to have seen Crystal at the apartment pool around 5.30, the day she vanished. Hathaway said the last time she saw Crystal, she was walking towards the highway. At first, Patricia told the jury she was certain about the sighting. However, she later admitted to being mixed up. Then she claimed her original story again. The jurors were frustrated with the contradictions. The prosecution claimed that Hathaway was mistaken because Crystal's mother searched the pool area that day. The final witness in the seven-week-long trial was 16-year-old Jennifer Addington, a friend and neighbor of Crystal. She told the jury that she was at the apartment pool for most of the afternoon of June 13, 1996, and that she never saw Crystal or Patricia Hathaway. Quote, I would have seen them. I kind of checked everybody out, Jennifer said. The jury deliberated for almost 16 hours over two days to decide the fate of Benjamin Kreider. Jurors asked if they could explore, quote, other scenarios in their deliberations over whether Crystal Dittmeyer was murdered or ran away. Quote, you have all the law and evidence that is proper for you to consider in this case, Oklahoma County District Judge Tammy Bass Jones wrote in response. On October 22, 1999, the jury found Benjamin Kreider guilty of the first-degree murder of his 12-year-old stepdaughter, Crystal Dittmeyer. The jury chose a life sentence with the hopes of parole 
in hopes that he would eventually disclose the location of Crystal's body. Quote, if we gave him no parole, there was no chance he'd ever say anything, jury foreman Tim Clark said. Quote, hopefully someday, this will push him to where he'll tell the truth. He'll have to come out with the truth to be considered. The foreman said the jury wants the body found so Crystal's family can receive closure. Kreider sat emotionless as the verdict was read. In October of 2001, the Oklahoma Court of Criminal Appeals struck down the conviction of Kreider for the first-degree murder. The court ruled that improper evidence was allowed into the trial. The court said that the judge was wrong to allow the evidence about the bite marks on Kreider's arm, the blood spot testing of his car, and a detective's testimony about a place in Yukon should have been excluded from the trial. Benjamin Kreider was retried for the murder of his stepdaughter, Crystal Dittmeyer, in October 2004. However, on the second day of opening statements, the judge declared a mistrial. The mistrial occurred due to a statement made by defense attorney David Autry near the end of his opening statement. The statement included evidence the judge had ruled the jury could not hear. The judge threatened to hold Autry in contempt of court for the incident. The state initially intended to try Kreider again for the murder of Crystal Dittmeyer after the mistrial in 2004. However, on September 22, 2005, he pled guilty to a reduced charge of manslaughter. D.A. Wes Lane said the plea agreement was, quote, like pulling something from the ashes. We were forced to do something to get Ben Kreider to accept responsibility for the death of Crystal Dittmeyer, Lane said. Quote, I'm deeply disappointed. Lane also stated that problems with the evidence and witnesses left the state little options but to do a plea deal. Quote, in discussion with homicide prosecutors in our office, none of us saw another option. We are not happy about this, Lane said. As part of the plea deal, Kreider was made to take responsibility for the murder of Crystal. Quote, as shown by the evidence, I struck Crystal Dittmeyer in a heat of passion after being provoked, which resulted in her death. Although I did not intend to kill her, he wrote in a plea agreement paperwork. Kreider originally was charged with first-degree murder. He was sentenced to 10 years in jail and 10 years of probation for his plea to manslaughter. Autry said the Department of Corrections credits Kreider with more than nine years of time served. Kreider was released shortly after signing his plea deal, and he has never revealed the location of Crystal's body. Thanks y'all so much for listening to the seventh episode of season two, The Disappearance of Crystal Dittmeyer. I'm still not sure if justice was actually served for Crystal in this case or not. I'm disappointed that Kreider was given a plea deal and released from prison without telling Crystal's family where she is so that she could be properly buried. Therefore, if you or someone you know may have any information about the whereabouts of Crystal Dittmeyer, who disappeared from Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, on June 13, 1996, please contact Oklahoma City Police at 405-235-7300. I hope that you all are enjoying the podcast. Please leave us a five-star review in Apple to help support the show. 
But all December long, I'm offering some special gifts for donations to the podcast via our tip jar at paypal.me slash crimestate. For anyone that donates $15 or more, they'll receive the regular shout-out and handwritten card. But in addition, you'll receive some special SSTC swag like buttons, stickers, or pins. And for donations of $35 or higher, you'll also receive a special hand-painted SSTC sign by yours truly. So please, donate anything y'all can, because we really need the support for the new year. And be sure y'all are subscribed to us in Apple or any podcast app. And follow our social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at OKCrimeState. Email me your comments, case suggestions, or just say hi at SoonerStateCrimePod at gmail.com. And the sources for this and every episode are listed on the website, CrimeStatePod.com. I'll be back on December 15th with the next new episode, What Happened to Molly Miller and Colt Haynes. Be sure you're subscribed. I hope everyone out there in the U.S. had a nice and safe Thanksgiving. And to those of you around the world, I hope y'all are staying safe and healthy too. Thanks y'all so much for listening, and please tell your family and friends to listen this holiday season. (laughs) And as always, please, everyone, stay sooner safe out there, y'all.